0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SUPEX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6 and 7, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced. SUPEX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have Brian Sheminsky. He's the chief instigator at Zert. Brian, welcome to the show. Good to be on the show, Kevin.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I've used your, your guys' framework and products for a number of years now, and you know I thought I should have you on the show because you guys kind of have a different angle at kind of um, everything you do at Zurb, but maybe before we kind of get into what exactly Zurb is and does, let's kind of get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Sure, I think we could jump right into you guys. I love it. As uh, a Canadian, I grew up in Minnesota, so oh, clo- uh, close to the border, right? <laughs> yeah, say. So I actually still use you guys a lot too. I'm in California, so you don't hear that as much. So it's great to uh, great to actually hear someone say you guys. <laughs> uh, pretty uh, pretty funny. Uh, you know, cheese soda pop. Uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I grew up, uh, you know, I actually have lived in uh, numerous locations, but uh, my formative years were in Minnesota, um, and then I went to high school in North Carolina and then uh, have, have been out in California uh, the second half of my life, so have um, lived in some diverse areas and uh, had a um, great time growing up in the Midwest. It's a great place. I, I have three kids now, so I can't imagine uh, I have... Uh, two other siblings, so I can't imagine my parents trying to do it with all the snow and shoveling kids around. It, it's crazy, but uh, big fan of the Midwest. Love the Midwest.
0: Sure. So, you you went to Stanford. What did, what did you take at Stanford?
1: I, uh, uh, well, I was a runner, um, and I looked at a number of schools across the U.S., and uh, Stanford is one of those campuses where you sort of walk onto it and you're sort of just mesmerized by all of the amazing things. And, um, there's just a lot of aggro people, uh, just doing incredible things and it's, it's sort of this magnet. And so when I arrived, I I just kind of fell into that. Um, you know, when I started school, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to study. Um, I was pretty sure that I had this skill in, in art and visualizations of, of, you know, my creative endeavors and I also was fairly good at math. I had a, um, an interest in uh, you know calculus and doing these types of things. So I had this sort of mixture of the two. And um, it turns out that Stanford has um, a program called product design, which sort of mixed the, the worlds together for me in that there's, uh, you know, some uh, creative explorations and, you know, science being mixed together and, uh, my degree is an engineering degree. So, um, you know, I just kind of gravitated towards it. I took a few classes and uh, ended up sitting in a lot of the graduate classes and got really excited about you know, the potential of being able to put things out in the world that people used.
0: Sure. That, that's great. So, you graduated Stanford and
1: you were a toy inventor, correct? Yeah. No, it's a <laughs> crazy first job. That's awesome, though. I love that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, uh, you know, one of those opportunities. Uh, you know, Brendan Boyle was a teacher of mine, and I got an internship. Um, great guy, gave me a lot of opportunities to, to sort of learn the trade. Um, you know, the cool thing about the work that I was doing when I got to school, it was very conceptual. So what we did was we sold our ideas, okay. um, which is very different than actually just producing the, the, the toy products. So on a you know, weekly basis, we would be brainstorming and working through hundreds of ideas and figuring out how to best sell these concepts and ideas. And that included sketching. Uh, it's sort of like uh, the happy version of Toy Story, you know, the, the part where the boy like, was ripping all the toys apart and creating demented uh, <laughs> uh, toys. I, I actually got to create uh, some, some fun stuff. So... You know, I was constantly um, in a in a state of having to think about what's next, and it was uh, it was a really good uh, first job experience. No, oh, that's awesome.
0: So, you eventually left there. Um, you des- you were a design lecturer at Stanford. Um, uh-huh. But talk about how Zurb came to be and like why you decided to found it.
1: Well, I think with, uh, you know, the toys and and being in the invention space, it was really fascinating to me how you could create something and and persuade um, a buyer to invest in it. And, you know, that concept was was exciting because you could put something out in the world and someone would say what value it had to them. And I kind of saw the marriage of sales and marketing and product all at the same time. And, you know, about 98, the web was just starting to really start commercializing, and uh, I saw immense potential to, to put things out in the world and then get this feedback, which was incredible because, you know, when I was working on toys, we would sell something, and it might be, you know, nine months before something actually hit the shelves, right? And so that sort of feedback loop between concept and, you know, getting on a shelf uh, you know, it took forever, and at least in my world uh, at the time, nine months probably for a lot of industries was pretty quick, but, um, you know, the Internet, you know, enabled this sort of world to be, like, instant, and I just, I fell in love with it right away, and the challenges of that were, you know, I had tried to create a, a, a startup, and I realized you know, like a, a software app, I realized how difficult it actually was. It wasn't just like throw something up and, you know, get some instant feedback and customers using something. So this, this new medium in which you can get instant feedback, but you had this challenge of, of figuring out how to create it and deploy it and put it up there, it just, I got a bug, you know, it was exciting to me. And so um, that really is what inspired me to, to jump into... Um, there was that I could you know help people figure this out and um, you know I took a lot of failures of understanding how the web worked before I started really um, I think creating a lot of value for people okay no that that's
0: really interesting because um, for people that don't know you guys are pretty much in the heart of Silicon Valley correct
1: yeah we're in the you know the, the lower half of, of Silicon Valley uh, I say we're Just on the fringe of it, and uh, we are uh, headquartered in um, Campbell, which uh, is about 20 minutes south of of sort of Stanford and Palo Alto, where I first started the business. So there's sort of a unique benefit of being uh, close to the mothership and in the beast of Silicon Valley, but also sort of on the fringe of it, in which you get to experience a lot uh, more of um, other industries that are sort of uh, tangential to
0: tech. Sure. No, I, I think that's great. And and so maybe before we kind of get into kind of the product and the framework side of what you guys do at Zurb, what exactly is your core kind of services that Zurb provides?
1: So our mission is uh, really to teach people about um, using progressive design, which is our design methodology. The, the purpose of, of our business is to change the way people are, are designing connected products and services and that means that um, you know when you you look at building something how do you do it effectively with your team and also how do you bring your customers into the mix as you do this and you know we've advanced quite a bit over the last you know 20 so odd years of the commercial web but there's still tons and tons and tons to learn about creating great products and as a company, you know our products and services and the things we do are all about furthering that agenda. It's trying to help companies figure out how do I do this better. Um, sometimes it's software, sometimes it's technology. Oftentimes it's us, you know, using our experiences in in helping uh, a company uh, move forward and try to figure out how do I do this better. Sure, that that
0: makes a lot of sense. And you guys have worked for some some pretty big brands. Um, I'm I'm curious though. And a lot of people, I think, kind of struggle with this where they're doing kind of, you know, work for clients and they're also trying to build products to either benefit their clients or themselves or kind of both. And you guys have seemed to do a really, really good job at kind of still doing what your true passion is, you know, of of actually like helping companies um, build and design better products, but... You guys have also done a really good job at actually building your own products, and so how, walk me through how you guys kind of decided to start, you know, designing your own products that you could probably use yourself to show clients, and also allow others that don't even work for you guys or have nothing to do with you guys use your products to, you know, promote and showcase their work to their clients.
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, you know, one of the most well-known products is Foundation that uh, you know web developers and designers are probably familiar with. It's uh, you know uh, um, comparable as a, as a product to Bootstrap, and both both products have their sort of unique uh, approaches to solving a front-end interface problem of of reducing sort of the overhead of of producing uh, components and and building uh, pages. Foundation is five years old, and so it's been amazing to watch uh, grow. When we first created the product, it really emerged from this problem that we had, which is how do we deliver um, uh, good code to a client in a in a more standardized way across our business, and in which reduce it, w- which we reduce uh, sort of the redundant tasks and things that uh, we could sort of repurpose and reuse for another client. And the goal there was to um, really simplify our lives to make it easier and share that with the world. And and so we had a vision of what that could look like, and we started, um, you know, just working on it, and it pulled some of our code experiments together. And um, even before Foundation, you know, we'd put out lots of code bits that people had used. Um, and, it you know, it took probably a year before, I think, clients really understood what we were trying to do with foundation because um, it seems sort of like this extraneous piece, but, you know, as responsive design sort of grew, people started to understand that, you know, if, you know, we've probably gone through 10,000 issues, gone across all these browsers, that that wasn't really a, uh, a problem that they wanted to be in and okay. solving for, and so... We sort of were one of the first to, to really push that agenda and get that out there. and, and I think you know there's hundreds and thousands maybe of people that have created their own frameworks. Um, you know at a certain point it, you know, we just sort of took it upon ourselves and put it on our shoulders is, hey, we need to start innovating and pushing an agenda here. Um, and the reality is is most people, you know that that's a taxing thing. It's hard to do and one of our strengths of the business is just continue a, um, you know, pushing forward with things, and, you know, I think um, when we started the project and, and got it out there, it, it was probably, you know, we, we tend to not separate marketing necessarily from product. It just so happened that it solved our problem, it, it created interesting stories for us to talk about, and, and it also added value to people around us, so um, it was this organic thing that we started working on, and then we just kept pushing on it, and, um, investing in it, and, um, you know, today millions of, of designers and developers use it, and it's in quite a few large brands, um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a cool, exciting thing to be part of, to be able to see people utilizing the things you build and building on top of them, and so, um, you know, for us, when we started working on foundation, it was an opportunity to create, you um, um, you know, something that solved our problems, and today it, it, it solves a ton of people's problems. And so we've sort of, I, I guess, grown with what the product is and, and helped shape it. And, and I'd say today, you know, we're uh, more so than anything a custodian and trying to, to push, um, you know, these ideas that we're seeing across lots of the customers and people using the software. So, um, you know, it really stem from, You know passion to solve these problems for ourselves and then carry that over into a larger audience no i I think that's awesome and for
0: me like i i've been playing with it since the first version and i use it almost daily um and the thing is for me is i wrote kind of my own responsive framework a number of years ago and when i for, like, the, the, the main reason I heard of you guys originally was through kind of foundation, just through one of the RSS feeds. That I, I remember the day, and I was like, well, I, I just need to move to this because there's no way that me personally is going to build a better framework than a team of people that's backed by a company, right? That's taking open uh, feedback from the community. And you basically, I, like, just for people listening like it's yeah it's a product of your guys's but it's free and it's open source and you guys take a lot of feedback from the community and I know Rafi and other members on your team over the years have even given me access to like beta versions of the new version and I think the thing to stress here is that it's helped me on pretty much most of the projects I've done in the last five years right and I think a lot of people throughout the world feel the same way and I think The thing that really got me fascinated with the whole thing originally was there wasn't really a good way back then to test across so many different browsers and devices. You kind of had to have them physically. You know, the emulators kind of got you there. And maybe between you and a handful of people, you could pull together enough uh, devices. But, you know, maybe like, I just remember like Windows, Windows Phone, for example, I was like, well, the framework says it supports it so you know that's all we kind of needed at the time right where before when i was building my own stuff i really had no idea right and so for me just having a framework backed by a company was like a huge thing for me and, and i remember at the time and that's kind of what got me started kind of following
1: you guys and, and using the framework that's very cool yeah i mean that's that's what drives us and gets us excited is that I can come into work every day um, knowing we're solving a lot of our own problems and, and furthering our business, but the multiples and the impact that we're having globally is exciting, and so I can um, both uh, sort of live locally and, and and do things within my own community, but I know the impact that we're having goes far beyond just uh, sort of the boundaries of what we're doing as a company. So, um, you know, I think open source is it's it's an interesting concept and idea. And I don't know as, as sort of time progresses how people will continue to build software together. But you know, I think what we see ourselves as is a sort of a uh, a custodian at this stage, uh, but also the 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 team that needs to keep pushing for better answers and. Um, it starts to be really cool when you can see these diverse inputs come in and, and try and shape this product. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun to hear stories like your own, and, and you know, we get the chance to talk with lots of people. It's, it's incredible as a, um, you know, leader of a small company. I, you know, I can basically go to most places in the world uh, that have some correlation or, or understanding of of the web and people will invite me in you know that's awesome yeah no it's it's fun and i you know i'm kind of an anonymous guy as well so it's not as if you know people recognize me by face. but when i say oh you know we do the foundation and they typically have some story like your own where they either tried something they're doing it they got their company they and you know i get to hear lots of interesting stories of people um that have used the software sure so i'm curious how do you, and just maybe
0: for advice for companies that are looking to maybe do something open source, like how do you guys kind of find the time and resources to actually, because you guys dedicate a lot of time to the frameworks.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and this is, is potentially, you know, I can't, you know, there's always like, <laughs> bars. And people will give you tons of advice on how they did it in retrospect, uh, and it all adds up to a nice, clean story. You know, I think the important thing in web development and, and the Internet and building things start from a, a, a place of wanting to make a difference, is wanting to create something that, that creates a difference in people's lives. Um, you know, because ultimately there's ebbs and flows of all of this and if you're not truly connecting and making something that people enjoy, it's really hard to do. Um, so that that's the first thing. That alone doesn't really get you through uh, the challenging parts of making anything. Um, it's a place where you just need to know that if you are successful, you're going to have to keep persevering through the ups and downs of something. Right. The, the first part is is that there has to be some tangible sort of, way to support something, and I think just going out and, and creating something and hoping that it sticks, um, and, and we've done this before, It just your desire to see something through kind of wanes pretty quickly, Sure. Um, and so for us, it was a double down to make ourselves more efficient and continue to figure out what was going on, so an example is, is the first version of Foundation was not responsive, and we decided not to release that because we had this idea that we could bring responsiveness into the framework. And so we held off um, releasing it as an open source project until uh, we felt comfortable that we could, you know, realistically solve this responsive stuff. So, you know, we did that with the idea that we had to solve our own client problems and there was a revenue stream that supported that. And I think when you, get into building products and services um, there's a tendency to sort of think about it from a startups perspective that's raised capital um, and sort of just just you know start building and go for it and lay this big bet out and I think we took an opposite approach which was okay somehow this has to fit into some you know business model that we're working on so you know that, started with our our services, and so it made perfect sense to solve our own uh, problems. As it's grown, we've devoted more um, time and people to the project, and, uh, you know, obviously as you get larger with something, it requires more, um, you know, effort and and time to be put towards it. And so we're fortunate to be able to do that because of the success of our business, so um, it's been fun to watch that unfold. Sure. And... For the listener out there, there's there's
0: kind of three versions under the foundation umbrella. There's for sites, for apps, and for responsive email. Do you maybe want to kind of give the listener a quick overview of each kind of version?
1: Yeah. So uh, coincidentally, actually, we are um, marrying some of the the ideas that we had in apps and bringing that into sites. So um, we are keeping apps as a, a a project but we're not actively developing on it because we see too much convergence between the, the two concepts in Sites and App. So sure. um, so foundation as a as a framework is really meant to help you think through interfaces across different types of devices and for the most part, you know, people are looking at desktops and uh, phones. But what we, you know, have seen over the last three or four years is that expands into all kinds of interfaces, touchscreen interfaces that are in kiosks or things, and even our own projects. We've been um, testing the waters of where you can expand it. So, um, Foundation is an open source framework, um, the most advanced one. We've continued to push the agenda, you know, with each release, trying to create new reasons to to keep using the software. Um, and the goal there is to simplify your workflow as you're building out your, your web projects. Uh, the, the the other part of foundation is foundation for emails. And this started as another side project within the business. Um, as sort of I saw our internal emails being shared through our software, I, I realized that our emails sucked. They just didn't come across really well. Um, and I challenged the team to figure out how to build out responsive um, you know emails. And I think this was... Maybe 2011 or 12, and it you know we did it and we created some things and we put some of the templates out uh, as sort of a playground piece for people to use. And uh, there, is like, eventually we said, okay, well, there's patterns here. Perhaps we could, you know, figure out the same things we did with foundation with these responsive email templates to help other people because you know, trying to craft email, is just a nightmare. Yep. And so what we did uh, was exactly that, and it took a while to figure it out because, you know, the while the amount of things you can do in the email is probably a lot less than, say, uh, you know, a uh, web screen, the browsers and inconsistencies of how code is rendered across the clients is is what makes this problem so hard and, and unique, and totally. so we did, we figured out how to do that in a way that uh, didn't add a ton of extra work, but streamlined sort of the testing part for most people because we could get you most of the way there. Uh, and the last version of you know, Foundation for, for Emails is, is we've uh, used a language called Inky, which basically allows you to construct the emails like you would a web page, um, trying to simplify your workflow as much as possible uh, to abstract some of the you know more complex table structures that come with you know doing an HTML email, uh, and it's been fantastic. You know some of the biggest brands in the world are now using it and adopting it because it, it just simplifies the workflow. And we've you know been spending time um, really crafting style guides and ways to help companies use email as a as a as a communication tool by sort of modulizing the way they think about email as opposed to being template driven. So there's you know, extreme benefits in adopting both and we've tried to find as much overlap and, and we'll continue to find overlap to streamline the workflow of someone that needs to be coding in both of these environments um, so that they're taking all the lessons they've learned in one framework and using it in, in the other. Obviously it's not a direct one-to-one, but we can carry a lot of the thinking um, over between the frameworks so there's two frameworks there's foundation which helps you uh, build out your websites and reduces a ton of the overhead of managing uh, code and the second is foundation for emails which is um, you know tying it to all your say apps and marketing campaigns to simplify creation and, and sort of maintenance of, of all of those emails. Sure
0: I, I think and Again, I, I kind of want to share a story for me, like how I use Foundation. And to be honest, like right before um, I jumped on this kind of call with you, I was actually just installed Foundation Six. And so, for me, what I really like about it is that I can make clickable prototypes that kind of work on a you know all all different screen sizes, and then kind of show that to a client almost as like a wireframe or a replacement for a wireframe and maybe i don't even put a design into it right but yep. the thing is for me is then i can then you know tweak that go back to the client show them or or the team it doesn't have to be a client it could be if you're building a product or for a client it doesn't really matter whatever project you're working on you can build a clickable prototype and then you can start adding in design and whether you actually do in browser design or you move off to a you know a program like sketch or adobe design experience or photoshop or, or whatever it doesn't really matter and then kind of bring it back in once you end up coding but what i really like about the framework is i never really have to throw away something like if you do wireframing in kind of a different tool sometimes you have to just kind of like now you have to code this thing so for me what i really like about foundation is i can kind of start with it and go live with it as I build on throughout the process of a project. Is that yep. kind of how you guys
1: use it? Yeah. I mean, the beauty of what Foundation is is it's not trying to. It's opinionated in its sort of approach to simplifying your workflow, but it's not in the sense that it tries to take over how you want to use it. So, totally. um, so from a prototype perspective. Uh, it gives you that flexibility out of the box to just start coding some stuff and connecting screens. And you, know, you as a web developer and, and trying to get people buying into ideas, sometimes that's the most valuable thing is just to be able to show something on a, on a phone and a screen right away um, without having to put much thought into the visual presentation. Um, the benefit of Foundation is that we try to extract as much of the visual opinionation from the, the software so that you have a place to continue to express your creativity and be able to build off of some of the best practices we've learned without putting styles in there that get in the way of, of your own um, building. And so that is how we envision this, is prototype to production and trying to give tools that really sped up workflow, uh, encourage you in best practices, but didn't creatively get in your way.
0: No, I, I think that's great. And the, the other thing that I think worth mentioning for people that don't, have never heard of the framework, like me personally, I've used it with like WordPress, Drupal, uh, sadly Joomla. Um, I, I've used it with, you know, Ruby on Rails. I've used it with PHP, I've used it with Django. Like I've, I've even used it with .NET, right? So the, the thing that's great about it is you could basically use it with anything right? At least in my experience. And, and that's partly why I've kind of always stuck with it. And and maybe I'm biased, but I've obviously done some stuff in bootstrap in the past. But I just, I much prefer what you guys are doing. And, you know, it's, and obviously, you, you'd feel the same way. But I, I think it just it makes so much sense to me how you guys are kind of doing this. And, and I love the fact that you guys are still kind of actively supporting and, The community's really big now, and just for the listener, that you could basically use it with any platform you want or any kind of site or project, big or small. And I've deployed it to like a small brochure site that's maybe a few pages, and I've used it on kind of enterprise applications.
1: Right, right. Now, the goal is to to give it that flexibility. Some of the biggest brands in the world use the software. Um, I'm surprised we have like a little tool widget that allows us to as we're surfing kind of see what sites are using and it's, you know, it's just incredible to see some of the brands uh, that have committed to the software. Um, You know, the goal is to get out of the way as much as, as we can to to create something that allows you to create express yourself. And that has always been one of the goals of foundation, give you all the tech and the support to, to get it right. Um, But then, you know, Give you the flexibility to screw it all up if you want, you know. It's not, uh, and not that people are. It's just you know we want that flexibility in there for people to to make creative decisions, um, you know. And and it's it's great, you know, from a, a a platform perspective. You know, we've got a very diverse groups of people using the software across different different things, and so you know we've tried to 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 keep some sort of, um, you know opinion and how we think you know the code needs to be put together but but really trying to stay as much out of the way of of the designer and developer to to support their vision
0: sure and uh, I, I think the other thing you guys do really well is you only let me kind of pick and choose the pieces of the framework that i want like if i just want the grid i can use the grid if i want yep like the grid and like the typography and maybe a couple other plugins or uh plugins for for lack of a better term and plugins could be like a carousel and like i don't know like a menu um i know carousels are kind of a thing of the past but a lot of people use them still but there there's like i i really like the ability to just basically use what i want i also really like your sas version where i can you know set variables and your mixins and can basically kind of build my own kind of framework inside your framework it I don't know how to explain that better, but I love how you can basically customize it however you need it to be per project.
1: Right, and and that, that is the goal. I mean, our designers and teams are flipping between lots of projects, and you know what the intent was with, with the software uh, when we first envisioned parts of it was not necessarily just to be good at it standardizing the code, it was to really enable us to start solving some of the more complex user problems Sure. Um, and understanding how people would interact with mobile devices and um, a desktop. And and that still remains a, a big part of how we think about the web. It's, you know, how do we keep servicing customers on the, the other side of the screen or, or users, as it may be, um, to create better experiences for them. And so... As a product designer, that is the way I, I see the world, and it's what um, you know I try and reinforce with our company that you know it's not about just building things; it's about creating things of value for the people that you are serving. Sure, no, no, that's great,
0: and I I love that. But maybe let's you guys also have a suite of apps called Zurb Apps, and they're, they're kind of how are they similar and different from what you guys are doing with Foundation?
1: Well I think you know, we, again, we've, we've built these things to solve a lot of our own problems of how do you communicate uh, with a, an audience or a, a client in a way that fits our model of, of work, which is um, what we call progressive design. It's this iterative approach to building things and soliciting feedback in a very um, consistent um, and sort of timely manner and you know, the tools that we've, we've created are to support that. So our, our you know, our learnings from that, and, and there's been plenty uh, to, to understand, is, you know, how do you build things with people that are both remote and or uh, wanting to move quickly and or involving stakeholders and all these, these components? And so um, I can't say that that process of, of building those, those tools and products has always been easy um, but there's a lot of learning that's gone on, and it's, quite frankly, it's helped us in every aspect of our business. So the, the goal for us is to streamline our workflow to continue to keep making it easier to solve problems for um, you know, our customers and our, and our clients. We're sort of in the midst of um, you know, re-envisioning and rethinking parts of what those are, and right now we're in alpha testing of a tool that sort of takes the best practices from all of those to keep making this easier for people to collect feedback
0: okay very cool and do you know roughly when
1: that's going to be coming out or, or uh, you know, it's, no? are, it's already out and we're selectively reaching out to our customers to get them testing parts of what we're working on so okay. um, probably won't be uh, potentially public uh, right away uh, but um, you know eventually we'll be putting it up there sure and
0: those are going to be like a monthly um, fee kind of service? You
1: know, we're trying to change that model um, and and thinking about it in a different way because um, while some services work really well others, uh, you know, where you're going in ebbs and flows of work sometimes that that model doesn't work as effectively so we're playing around with how we want to um, charge for those types of services so I think the the most important part for for people and working in web um, is how do I get the feedback I need to make a better product? Sure. And that is really the bigger issue. What what does that look like? Because sometimes it's harder to find an audience. Sometimes it's harder to get people to give you the right types of feedback. Sometimes it's hard to parse the feedback. Sometimes there's no feedback at all. Um, And I think when you start looking at the web and, and where it's headed and what we're trying to do, so much of this is becoming more automated and quicker and faster. Um, you know, When we talk about, say, um, let's just, you know, people worried about manufacturing jobs being automated by robots and machines, um, I think even web developers and, and designers need to start thinking about where automation will start to occur totally. um, and, and where perhaps computers will be able to figure things out better than even a human eye can, um, and what types of new problems. Will humans and service-oriented people need to be solving? And we're, you know, building products and services that revolve around that concept of continuously collecting that types of feedback. Okay, um, interesting. Right. And so, what you know, if you look at it, you know, our our process and methodology is about trying to help um, you know companies react quicker. Progressive design is meant to do that. So, if you look at an example, is if you look at Amazon. Amazon pushes code to their site every 11 seconds. Wow. So if you look at the average visit to Amazon, it's like 10 minutes or something. Sure. Uh, so you're Which looking is huge. At, yeah. So you're looking at an average visit of code being pushed 50 times. Yeah. Wow. And that doesn't really take into consideration the personalization of your uh your, the unique things they're pushing to you, or the customization, or even the consideration of once they have that data, how that gets pushed into ad networks. So the amount of change is, is happening so quickly that in order to build products and services, you know, if the, if the computers are moving faster trying to figure out what's going on, then what is your role as a designer or developer? How should you be thinking about these problems to make the experience better for customers? So that's sort of where our headspace is right now is how do we do that? And, and when you look at it, it's not looking through a computer as much as it is looking through all the channels that you have, you know, whether it's working through an echo, whether it's your mobile device, whether it's a desktop, whether it's you know, a home automation system. All of these tools are giving off and collecting feedback uh, extremely fast. So how, how do you blend that and, and make that part of your workflow? Yeah, no, I I think that's that's great. And I I love
0: kind of that that insight. But sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about Zurb and um, all the other kind of products like foundation that you guys are working on.
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, you can go to zurb.com, z-u-r-b.com. Uh, there's a front entry there, and to get to Foundation, you can just do a search on Google Foundation or type foundation.zurb.com, um, and those tools are available. So, perfect. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time of your
0: day to be on the show, and I'll continue using your framework, and uh, you know, hopefully, we do
1: this again sometime. Yeah, be happy to. I love, love chit-chatting about the future of the web and the exciting things coming down the pipeline.
0: Perfect, man. Well, you have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk
1: soon. All right. Awesome. Thank you, okay. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them for the future.